let's uh let's let's pivot real quick. Let's pivot. Oh, shout out to my man Blue. Blue Rivera just checked in. The homeboy, the urban mixologist. He's a beast, by the way. Another beast. Uh, I want to introduce our first guest. Um, so I learned about this gentleman through sneaker culture, but um when I was growing up, I was a huge wrestling fan, as most people in uh, New York were. Um, I was a follower of, you know, the, the the WWE and all of this. And then I kind of grew up and I didn't follow it again. And then kind of through the understanding of the culture of hip hop, um, I started to understand the connection that a lot of the wrestlers had to the culture. Um and it always intrigued me on how they got involved in the culture. Um, so I got, I got, I heard about this dude through uh, some friends of mine at Glaciers of Ice. Understood that he was, you know, a hip hop head. And what I also learned is he is the only wrestler to ever beat The Rock. So I love that. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, live on Search Says podcast, <laughs> Hurricane Shane. Helms in the building, ladies and gentlemen. The hurricane. Looking scruff. Looking looking scruffy. Looking like he's ready to just fuck up a bear in his backyard. <laughs> I appreciate it. Hey man, but I, but I do gotta say, I'm not the only guy to ever beat the rock. I just be I'm the guy that beat him last on Monday Night Raw. The last guy to be. Yeah, let's just stay with mine. Mine, mine okay, is okay. so much better. You know, in hip hop, we're allowed to be braggadocious. Okay, okay. A little we're hyperbole. Allowed to, we're allowed to, like, you know, hyperbole, correct. We're allowed to take it there. Don't make me a liar, please. I just rather just stay in my zone. <laughs> I want, and, and I wore this shirt just for you because I heard you're a Star Wars fan. Oh, my goodness. So you see the flag of NC on the Millennium Falcon, I had to. That's amazing. Let me tell you something. I was one of these kids that when Star Wars came out, I went to Greenacres Mall in Valley Stream and I was there at six o'clock in the morning for the noon matinee and I had the first ticket. I was the one that turned around to everybody and waved the first ticket. And that was at a time where you could stay in the theater and mm-hmm. watch it as many times as you, as you wanted to, like one ticket. Because I'm way older than you. Uh, and I watched that movie one that one day, that one week, I think I wound up that week. I watched it, I think, 49 or 69 times. Damn. Yeah, like like that. Like, knew every word. Like, knew that they used, like, you know, on on the Steven Spielberg used, like, some kind of Vaseline on the screen to make the, you know, to make the, you know, to this fly. And, like, and I was just, I was, like, in it like that. Um, heavy, heavy. Um, How did you feel about Phantom Menace when it came out? Huh. I mean, look, I, I, I was angry. I was angry. Yeah, like, you know, as a fan, it's hard for me to. It's kind of like, how do you. How do you shit on Andre the Giant? How do you shit on like, you know, the early wrestlers, right? Like, how do you yeah. shit on Bruno San Martino? Like, you know, you can't like, you know, they, they were different wrestlers in a different era. They weren't maybe as flexible they weren't as versatile but bruno san martino was a fucking beast right so phantom menace okay so they had better technology and it was but i can't diss it because it's star wars and and if i don't get the phantom menace 
then I don't get to this and I don't get to Mandalorian and I don't because Mandalorian. I mean, everything I've seen about it is incredible. Yeah. yeah. Incredible. Very good. Speaking of incredible, I want to, I want to show you some love too, because from what I understand, your first foray into hip hop was UTFO. Yeah. Wow. Leader of the pack. Now that, is a DJ driven record. Like that record wasn't really an MC driven record. What drew you to that record of all their records? Uh, just a friend had it on a cassette. He had like, um, it one of my buddies, Clyde. <laughs> Shout great, out to Clyde. <laughs> great country. Gotta show, gotta show, gotta show love to Clyde. It's a and, uh, crazy, crazy, crazy hick name. Shout out to homeboy Clyde, mad Clyde in the building. So, you know, we, there was no hip hop down south in the early 80s. It just didn't exist. And where was and, this? Where, what part of down south? Uh, a little town outside of Raleigh, North Carolina. Okay. Gotcha. I was born near Charlotte. Uh, we migrated up to Raleigh. Gotcha. Um, but there's no hip hop. You know, as, as hard as it was to, you know, grow in uh, New York, it was way harder in down south. It just it wasn't on the radios. It just didn't exist down here. And so my buddy had his cassette and he let me hear it. And the second I heard UTFO, I mean, that's the first rap song I ever heard. And I was just, wow, that's my, that's my shit right there. That's what I like. Cause down South, you know, especially in those years, there was two types of music, country and Western. That was it. <laughs> you know, you would get some rock, you would get some rock stations here and there. And uh, my brother was a big metal head. So I had to listen to that shit all the time and not, not to diss it, but it just, it didn't touch me. But then when I heard UTFO, I was like, man, I like that. Now that's the type of music I like. But was, the, was there a connection for you between the people you hung out with as well? Was it more of the swagger? Like, cause I'm trying to imagine when I heard that record, obviously there was no video. The only thing you could see is maybe the cassette cover. If they even had the cover. Um, and it's all mixed. It's a mix master. So it's like that record is is a DJ record. It's not like Roxanne, Roxanne. It's not, you know, it's like it's so I always think like, is there a connection because your friends were DJing? Were they B-boys? Were they breakdancing? It was just. No, it just we like the rhythm. The beats, yeah, I like the beat right away. Uh, it was just something different, you know. Uh, I think just being different kind of hooked me. And, I mean, the rhythm and the beat, I, I was just attracted to that right away. Um, and, too, you know, uh, I was a white kid, but, but I had a lot of variety of friends. So, um, And a lot of those friends didn't like rock and roll and country either. So the music kind of connected us even deeper because – I've heard somebody say this about books, but it's also about music too. Like people can uh, recommend music to you, but music can also recommend people to you. Like if somebody likes your type of music, that music's actually recommending them. And so um, out of that, you know, just, you know, get, developed a lot of different new friendships. Say, like, hey, you guys listen to rap. And then some people, what the hell is rap? No, oh, man, you got to listen to this. And that's kind of, you know, like just, just how word starts to spread until it finally gets some radio play, which at those back in those days, it wasn't getting any radio play down here in North Carolina whatsoever. I'm talking about early 80s. No, I know. And, and I've talked about this, you know, extensively, you know, hip hop, 
the difference I always find between like the Rolling Stones, Janis Joplin, Led Zeppelin, and you know Queen Latifah, Public Enemy, and the Native Tongues, and UTFO, and Run DMC, is that you know those bands, even Leonard Skinner, even you know Charlie Pratt, you know they had radio stations, six, seven hundred radio stations playing them, sixty, seventy times a week. We didn't have radio stations, even FM stations. Like if you talk about Charlotte. You know, WPG wasn't playing hip hop till like 1994, 95. Yeah. Um, so all of our heroes, you know, that you and I grew up with, Run DMC, you know, LL Cool J, Public Enemy, Slick Rick, even NWA, uh, Trap Called Quest, Queen Latifah, so on and so on. There was no radio. Like, I no. mean, it, there was none. I, I personally remember coming through the Carolinas, 88, 89, on tour with Digital Underground, Queen Latifah, Big Daddy Kane. And that was kind of after because BET Rap City and MTV Rap started showing video shows. And then there were local video shows that were going on in those days. But there were, you're absolutely right. There was no radio. Um, yeah, when DMC did Walk This Way, that was huge down here. Yeah, because yeah, they, they would play it on way. rock. Yeah, they played on rock stations. Yeah, that, that's one, one, yeah. one of the first rap songs you could hear on the radio all the time was when, you know, DMC and Aerosmith for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and 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 maybe this is just a little too personal, but I'm just going to ask you, just as a white dude in in down south, um, did black chicks find you more attractive because you were up on UTFO? Were like these chicks, like, oh, that's a cute little white boy. Like he might not feel some type of way about me because he's up on UTFO. I might I might want to taste the white meat real quick. Was that? Was that something that kind of led to like, oh, I need to get up on more hip hop real quick? I ain't gonna say no. Hey, hey, I, I just, it, I just but I'm definitely not denying. Okay, good. I, it, listen, I just, I what I find, and again, and this is just my personal history. I, I find that people out of their element, especially outside of New York, um, there was also, you know, there's there's a bit of a racial barrier, right? Because it's, you know, it's the South and you know, there's a lot of philosophies that don't exactly meld because there is an image. That's a good first. way to put it, right? There's an image first, and then yeah. there is a an identification after. But then music, like you said, it, it it crosses everything. It connects everybody. So you might be, you know, bopping in in you know Raleigh Mall or something, and just listening, just you know, got the Walkman going and listening to that, and some cute little, you know chick that might not have ever checked for you would be like shane you up on utf oh shit what else are you up on and do you want to get up on this like it's just things happen things thank you brother thank you things happen thank you that's see that's all i wanted to hear shane things you just you know what you just we're connecting here we could actually end the interview right now things happen thanks for coming things just happen um, and they definitely happened for you, you know, I, and again, I wanted to understand what is, what is the concept of the three count? Can you, can you kind of put me up on game on the three count, please? Yeah. Three count was a, uh, the gimmick was a boy band. So we were a boy band in pro wrestling. So the idea was the girls would like us like, you know, like, um, NSYNC, the Bad Street Boys, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a lot of guys hate them because the girlfriend likes them. They don't really, it's not even that the music is good or bad. They don't even care. They just, they, the boy bands get the hate because the girls like them. So we would go out there and we would sing and dance. And then we were smaller guys anyway. Um, 
And then so the bigger guys would come out and beat our ass. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, so I mean, and that was the desire. That's what we were going for. Right. But at the same time, when they put us in there with guys our size, and we we had this real high flying style. So uh, after a while, we still gained the respect. Yeah, there we go. Uh, so that's Evan Courageous in the middle, and Shannon Moore is the other guy. Right. So, yeah. so what kind of and and maybe I skipped a couple of, of of spots, but what led you to pro wrestling? How did that kind of become your career and your passion, and what moved you into that? Uh, pro wrestling was my first love uh, above and beyond anything else. My dad was a huge wrestling fan. He started. So my earliest memories of watching television, period, or watching pro wrestling with my dad. I went to my first live show when I was five years old. That was 1979. And so I, and I was just hooked from early on. And it's all I ever wanted to do. Even when I got into amateur wrestling, like in high school and that style, I went looking for a ring. And you know, I see this little mat. And I'm like, what kind of shit is this? <laughs> <laughs> but I kind of had a natural affinity for that. So um, it was just something that kind of blossomed. And I went after it. You know, when I was 13 years old, an independent company uh, had a show in my town. And I rode my bike. It was like a mile and a half, a couple of miles, rode, rode it down there, stayed till after the show just to, I could talk to anybody. You know, what can I do to get involved? Somebody, uh, you know, listened to me. Uh, there were two guys. It was an outdoor show. It was two guys in the ring, uh, Mike Maverick and uh, the notorious David Taylor. And so they were in the ring and uh, they looked at me and I was 13 years old, you know, and it's like, hey, kid, you want to learn some professional wrestling? And I'm not even sure that they weren't going to try to rough me up or something. I didn't really know. But I got in there. I knew how to lock up. I showed them this suplex that I had already had in my mind that I wanted to do. And they just kind of figured out right away, hey, this this isn't just a normal 13 year old here. This kid actually knows some shit. And so uh, I started doing odds and ends with that company. You know, I'd help him put up the ring, take it down. Uh, I was one of the guys that when the guys would take off his robes, they'd give it to me and I'd carry it to the bag. Just all kinds of odds and ends, whatever I could do. And just let me let me train with you guys. You know, I'll, I'll pay my way, whatever I got to do to train. And so uh, 13, then at 15, I became a referee. Somebody that needed a referee. I knew everything, you know, I was, you know, already had a head. I was already studying the business. And then at 16, um, somebody didn't show up, you know, somebody, their car broke down or something. They needed somebody for a match. They just needed a body. I had my gear with me. Always have your gear, boys, you know, always have your microphone. And yeah, so be prepared. They, they put me out there and it was, it just went absolutely fantastic. And after it was over, like, they was like, how long have you been working? And I'm like, no, tonight was my first match. And I'm like, what? 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 And so, and it just skyrocketed from there. And that was 1991 when I had my first match. Wow. So, so there was no, I mean, I, I was just going to say, so there was no school or there was no, you know, training ground. You literally lived it. I mean, you were definitely yeah. in a place where you were lucky enough to live it and and experience it. What were some of the obviously be prepared. I got, you were a boy scout for wrestling. I get it. I'm clear on that. But what were some of the other things that you took away from that, both good and bad about those experiences? Cause I'm sure behind the scenes, there's some great things you learn. And there's also some things that you don't want to kind of recreate. Yeah, definitely. It was definitely rough. Cause it's a big man. It's, you see a lot more smaller guys now, but back then it was just a big man's business, you know, and I, in, in life right now, I'm six foot and I'm about two twenty right now. 
But that's small in pro wrestling back in those days. And I wasn't that back in those days. I was, you know, you're talking about 145 pounds, 150 pounds trying to make it. And these guys, man, they would just try to rough me up. They would try to shoot, hurt me. They didn't think I belonged in the business. You know, I'm coming out to hip hop music. They hate it down south. You know, I had all these little things. And I mean, I would literally be fist fighting week after week with these guys until finally they go, they just got tired of fighting me. So they started working with me. Let's put on this show, man. We got to do this again next week, right. you know, in the next town. And after a while, it calmed down. But it was it was a huge struggle, just years and years of the guys in the back. They act like everything's cool. Then we get out in the ring, just knee me in the guts, try to punch the shit out of me. And the next thing you know, I'm in this full-blown fight, you know, so... And it's it takes a, a show. It, Ideally, it's a show, but sometimes it gets really loud out there. Yeah. It's, it's Well, they call it, what do they call it? Sports entertainment, right? Yeah. I mean, that's certainly what it is. 19 years, I mean, the two things that pop into my head is it must take an amazing toll on your body. Oh, yeah. Uh, and and you must feel it more times than you don't. Yeah, it's not 19 years, 20, 29. 29 years, excuse me. Right, 29 years. Well, yeah, I've had a spinal fusion. Uh, six and seven broke my neck in, uh, I believe that was 2008. Um, you know, all kinds of broken bones, fingers, break your nose all the time. Wow. Break my, broke my toes, broke both my big toes in one match one time. Um, you just literally get, even if you come out fine, you're mm -hmm. still banged up because every slam is like a whiplash. Mm -hmm. Every slam you take is a whiplash. Your brain's in there bouncing around. It's not healthy. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that it's not healthy. But if you make it, like, I loved it. I loved it. That's what I wanted to do. That was my dream. That was my passion. So I wanted to be a wrestler. So if you make it, you can make money. There's, a, you know, there's some celebrity attached to it, but you trade your body. And that's just the trade-off. Your body just is going to go to shit. Yeah. And, and, and you, if you talk to any athlete, you talk to LeBron James, you talk to Russell Westbrook, you talk to, you know, uh, Rob Gronkowski, you talk to any athlete, they're going to tell you, you know, what you make. Uh, and what you sacrifice is, you know, the fame and the money and the security, but you sacrifice your body. Oh, How do you, and, and again, and, and this is going to be really, again, one of these questions, just man to man, because when I moved this house, I got down almost to my fighting weight, third base weight, which was like 225, right? Mm -hmm. And I saw my wife was looking at me differently. I was looking at myself differently. Like, I was like, oh, cool. Like, all right, I'm getting back in it. Um, I couldn't maintain it. I couldn't maintain it. How, what's your diet versus exercise? How do you maintain six one two twenty? Um, and how do you, what's the diet ratio to work out? Because I mean, I, for me, especially in the place that I'm in today where I'm like in the house, you know, I'm, um, my wife and I are, are walking every day. We try to ride our bikes as much as we can, but we do a lot of, you know, cardio and, and now we're, looking at YouTube for like videos and all that. What's your balance in terms of your diet versus your workout um, schedule? But diet is key. Like if you don't have a good diet, like you just kind of like kind of shooting yourself in the foot. Okay. You know, so um, you got to have, you got to have, you got to have activity too. Like no matter what, if you burn more calories than you take in, you lose weight. That's physics. Nobody's body can deny physics. And I've, I've helped train people and I work with people and I, I've heard all the excuses. I just can't lose weight. Yes, you can. If you burn more than you take in, you'll lose weight. That's just how it is. So now your body too. Now the rate of burn of caloric burn might be different for you. Maybe I burn calories a lot faster than you do. So 
if that if that's the case, I'm sorry, you're going to have to do more cardio. That's just how it is. You know, right. it's like intermittent fasting. That's a new fad these days, intermittent fasting. But all that is is telling people, hey, you eat too fucking much. Right, <laughs> right, right. I call, it, I call it anytime I hear fat, I, I break it down to fake ass diets. Um, so, so that, so intermittent fasting is, that's not going to work for me because I can't go a day without eating. Fuck all that. Like I got to eat. No, don't go a whole day. You just create a window. My window's right. 2 p.m. to uh, 10 p.m. So I don't eat until 2 p.m. So okay. if I get, if I get, oh, up, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Gotcha. All you do is extend the fast a little bit. Like normally you wake up and you're going to eat right away. That's You know, we're taught that when we're younger, breakfast is the most important meal of the day, but that doesn't mean it has to be at 730. You know what I mean? Just whenever you wake up. But I mean, I, I, I generally go to bed around midnight anyway. So when I wake up, you know, I just, instead of back in the day, I would eat early. Now I don't eat till I'm two. And because I'm 45 this year, about to be 46, you know, your body just starts to slow down in these, in these ages. Now you got to make an adjustment. Gotcha. So back when I was younger, dude, I didn't have to do abs. I had abs. I was just born with abs and had them. Then one day they just fucking left and there was no discussion. They didn't tell me. They didn't write me a note saying goodbye or nothing. I just looked down and go, what happened to my shit? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I used to have something here. Right, right, right. No, I, I just saw the picture. So I know. Um, you I, you know so I like. So two of the things I learned uh, in, in reading up about you and, and getting to know you, uh, obviously Star Wars, you and I have that in common. Uh, hip hop, we have that in common. Um, your stepmom got you into comic books. Yeah, yeah, her dad. Wow. So tell me about that. Like, tell me about your love of comic books and and how did, did that kind of correlate to your love of wrestling? And, you know, did that kind of create the superhero mentality for you? As a, yeah. as a wrestler? Yeah, so my parents got divorced when I was five. So with the new mom came a new family. So I went over to her dad's house, the new grandpa. You know, I didn't know this guy whatsoever, but he's like, hey, kid, I got some comic books back here. I wasn't even sure what it was. Right. So I go back and... It's better than them saying, hey, I got some candy in the back. You want to come get some Definitely candy? a lot better than that. Right. Definitely <laughs> <a lot better laughs> whole different MO right there, son. Whole time. different MO, yeah. And so... uh so yeah, I just got into comics and was just really fascinated by it. You know, I didn't hadn't seen them at that point in my life, and uh, like I say, I was five years old at the time, and just started reading them and, and understanding as much as I could at five. But I kept with it, you know. And every time I would go over, just dive into his, and he had this really huge collection. Didn't like really take care of them or nothing. He just had them in his cabinet, you know, and and didn't mind that I was that I would read them, and I would just devour them over and over and over. And it was just something that stuck with me, you know. So. It's really weird. Like the things that I liked weren't popular when I was young, you know, because hip hop wasn't popular when I was young. Right. Comics, right. Comics were just for nerds, you know, and wrestling was the redneck sport. But then somehow I was able to combine all of that shit. And luckily they all blew up. I got very fortunate. You know? <laughs> luckily they all went damn crazy. Yeah. Well, that's um, what happens. I mean, if you follow your passion and I, I told my kids this all the time, like, if you follow your passion, you never work a day in your life. Like you just, you know, you just enjoy what you do and you love what you do. And I'm sure some of those, is there a particular storyline from a comic book that you followed into your hurricane Shane persona? Well, the, uh, the, the tattoo, the whole hurricane came because I got a tattoo of the green lantern symbol on my shoulder. That's that right. green. thing. And the green lantern is about willpower. Now I was a smaller kid. 
smallest kid on the football team, smallest kid on the wrestling team. And like willpower, it was just a part of my, my personal story. I couldn't have done none of this shit if I just wasn't a stubborn little kid with the willpower to do it. And so I just like that concept. So that's why I got the tattoo. So now I'm in WWE. Like uh, there used to be something called a Monday Night War. And now that was WCW versus WWE, WWF. Well, the WWE won that war. And I was on the WCW side. <laughs> we were the losing team. Right. But uh, they hired some of us, not all of us, but they brought some of us over. And they liked me. I, they didn't, I was already, had already stopped doing the boy band gimmick at this time. And so I was thank, on Thank own. God, by the way. Thank God. Thank God yeah. it had it a, if you would have kept doing it, I don't know if you'd be on this show. Just FYI. Let's be clear. Maybe not. There, maybe he, there not. he is. Eminem and Green Lantern combined. Hurricane Shane. There he is, man. But Hi. It, they call me. They call me. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm done. Thing, I would always rap, though. There was a rapping portion to every song, and I was the rapper of the group. Okay. All right. So, good. And I wrote right. the lyrics. So I, that's right. my little Do you need a beat right now to like just kick a, a hot 16 no. real no. quick? No, you would not. Be, you would not be impressed. <laughs> if I do that, I need you to do a moon song. Pumice, cue up a beat real quick. Anyway, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, man. I didn't mean so, to interrupt. I get to a WWE and uh, they like me. They like my talents, and we but we got to figure out something else to do with me. <laughs> no, I'm still not gonna do it. <laughs> All right, Pumice, it's okay. And, uh, so we uh. Mm-hmm. they came up with this idea for me to be a superhero and I was like oh man you know I mean I got 22 gold medals as an amateur wrestler <laughs> really I'm like okay you know but at this time this roster in WWE is the most stacked roster of all time they got you know uh, The Rock Stone Cold Steve Austin The Undertaker D I mean just every big star you can imagine yeah. you know and I, I'm just trying to stand out here I'm just trying to you know do anything to, to help and I so they present me with this idea to be a superhero and I go okay so I'll, I'll give it a shot and I mean like that was in 2001 and like and I stopped yeah it just it, I got very fortunate but I put my heart into it like you said I, I I knew it was one of these things that if I didn't believe in it the people would never believe in it I had to make them believe in me and so it it wasn't easy, but it was one of those things that once it popped, man, it just became so much fun because now I'm a superhero, which I love superheroes. I'm a wrestler, so I'm, I'm loving this. Uh, they, they actually gave me, they knew I loved hip hop. So in the beginning, they actually had me coming out to a little hip hop beat, but it didn't get the character. So I had to go to them and say, hey, y'all got some kind of, everything has to match. You know? Right, 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 right. And so you, can't, up, you can't be whack. Like yeah. you can't play, you know, you can't pull out a whack beat. And just, you know, you got to be able, especially 91, 92, there was so much great hip hop out. So if you played like a beat that was, you know, vanilla ISIS, you were going to yeah. kind of fall into that pattern. And and just and just I'm sorry, but I just want to pivot real quick to hip hop. Um, I understand you and I might have a top 10 list that is very similar. OK, um, I, I, I hear I hear it might not be accurate, but I hear it might be. So please. Share with us your top 10 dead or alive favorite hip hop uh, groups or MCs. So it change, everything changes because uh, I was just having a discussion with somebody recently and uh, everything does change. But I do want to mention too, real quick, not to pivot, we'll pivot right back. Yeah, I, yeah. I came out to step into the AM on the indies was my interest music for, for about a year and a half. 
You're official. Definitely. Done. You're official. It's done. My you first yeah. music was, I don't know if you remember this group, Stereo MCs. Of course. You remember that? Elevate Your Mind was my first uh, interest music while I used hip hop. I uh, yeah. I went on tour with Stereo MCs. And you oh, really? Mm-hmm. So then I used Step Into the AM. And then, uh, then around the time uh, House of Pain came out with Jump Around. And everybody, you know, <laughs> Jump Around just became everybody's interest music for a while. But anyway, uh, so uh, back to top 10. Yep. Um, present company excluded, of course. Um, most recently, uh, in the last couple of years, I really got into Immortal Technique. Um, Jay-Z, of course. Eminem, of course. God, I hate doing top 10. I, I literally hate, especially when you got a genre that's so many, so many that are really good. Of all time, I mean, you got to put DMC in there, Public Enemy. Kooji rap is probably, God, Road to the Riches. I, I used to know Road to the Riches mm. by heart. It was like, that was, that might be my favorite hip hop song of all time is actually Road to the Riches. Why is that? I just loved them. I loved them pianos. I don't know. It just flowed and it seemed like it was long, you know, like that's one thing too that I always liked about rap, uh, hip hop specifically. They just, the, they seem like more was put into the song. Like a lot of country songs and rock songs, especially when they get to the hook, they're just saying the same shit over and over and over. Same verses over hey, and over. Polo, you ready to bust this funky yeah. album for the people? Yo, word, you know, boy, you about to get busy with it right now. Yeah. Word up, Marley. You know what time it is. I mean, there's too many suckers out there thinking that we can't do it. Yo, we gonna do it or what? Yo, who Q is Burrow this? in the who building, Queens. Polos? Word up. Back again. Get to that piano. 89, yo, all the way. Now, bust mm-hmm. something like this. Word. This is the record. You know the sample is Billy Joel. Yeah? Yeah. It's Billy Joel. When I was five years old, I realized it was a role. Yeah. That's my favorite of all time. Still, this is day. I, I will um, put you up on a record real quick. And I, again, I don't know if, if one of the things that made me really intrigued by this, um, promise you can kill that. Um, one of the things, it always blew me away that I grew up on hip hop. And because I was in New York, I thought everybody else did. Like right. I, just records that I knew front to back, I automatically assumed, oh, everybody else knew it. If I heard it, everybody, like, uh, the fearless four problems of the world today. I'll, I'll never forget that the twice I went out of New York and somebody asked me about that record because I think t- even to this day for me, that record is one of the greatest lyrical records of all time. Which one? And so n- name of the group is called fearless four. Fearless four. And the record's called problems of the world today came out mm-hmm. in 1984. Okay. And um, even today, it's one of the greatest lyrical records of all time. Like just, it's just an amazing, but I would go outside of New York and people be like, who, what, 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 who is, I'm like, are y'all, are y'all fucking serious? Like, so way worse down here. So I'm trying to tell people about Molly Marlon and they have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to his manager, Serge S U R G. He was checking us out right now. Um, But, 
you know, you talk about G-Rap, right? And you talk mm-hmm. about Road to the Ridge. Before that record, and before Marley, and before all of that, he had a record out called It's a Demo. Yeah. And I'm Fly. Okay. Now, I'm Fly. If you like Road to the Riches, I strongly suggest you go on YouTube. See, this is okay. game. This is called right grown-ass, grown-ass Man Edutainment. This is where I put people up on music. Grown-Ass Music ed- Edutainment right now. This record is called I'm Fly. Cool G Rap and Polo. He said one line when I heard this record. There's certain records for me when I was growing up as an MC that I'd be writing, writing, and then I'd hear it. And then all of a sudden, everything in my ROM book became garbage and I threw it away. Yeah. And I'm sure that was for you. There were certain wrestling moves, like you were studying certain things, and then you'd see, you know, Ric Flair do something, or you'd see you know, Randy Macho Man Savage do something, like when he, you know, he, he kind of made you look this way, and then you took, you know, the rock down. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Like, but they Reckon, all would have moves in there, like, for okay, me I when I was growing up as move. an MC. Yeah. I'd be right out of track because that, and then I'd hear it. Macho Man did. I know I can't do my shit because my shit will look fugazi next to his shit. He, in this record on Fly, he, he's talking about driving down one-way streets the wrong way. But he said, I said, he said, rolling up my tinted windows, raise my antenna because I'm not only Fly, but I'm a big breadwinner. When I heard that shit, yeah. every ROM book was in a trash, burning like it was fucking Passover. And I was burning the bread. It was done. Like, I was like, oh, my God. He changed the game. Changed the game. So, I'm sorry. So, props to you for G-Rap. Props to you for Eminem. I think that's a great a great list. Uh, and- I would add Tretch to that. I would add Big Daddy Kane. Big Daddy Kane lives here. In, oh, I know. Uh, that's my I just saw him in the airport a couple, uh, couple yeah. months. Actually, Kane and I are working on a, a podcast together. Oh, very cool. Yeah, yeah. we're going to do, uh, we're putting together a company called the Timeless Podcast Company. So everybody that you love will be able to put their stories together, but with amazing sound design and amazing music around it. So it'll be, uh, it'll be an amazing thing. We just announced that we're going to be doing something with Scarface. So uh, I'm going to be telling my story. So it's, it's, it's amazing. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt your, your top 10. No, Which not is not all. a bad top ten. By the way, I just got a text. DMC says, "What's up?" He wants to connect with you because you know he also makes comic books. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, and we actually met him. I went up to him in the. Uh, well, I did an appearance with Run in Vegas, and it was ridiculous because yeah, I'm a kid friendly character. He's Reverend Run, but they got all of these very scantily clad women with us, right? <laughs> And it was just such an odd situation. I wasn't complaining. Right, Shane no, wasn't right. complaining, but the hurricane's like, man, damn, what are we doing here? Right, but, right, um, right. but then like a couple years after that, I saw DMC in an airport in Newark and I recognized him. So he he doesn't know it was even me. I didn't go up to him and say, hey, I'm a hurricane. I just went up to him and said, hey, man, I'm a big fan. I just want to let you know and snuck away. You know, that's what like, <laughs> Yeah, I actually yeah. didn't meet him one time. So my, uh, you know, not that you care. My top no, 10, my top 10. Well, my top five hasn't changed. It's, it hasn't changed. Uh-huh. But my my number one of all time is Rakim. Just okay. Rakim is the greatest MC of all time, period. And I know Joke to me is the greatest, like just from front to back, the greatest record of all time. They just played that on the Michael, the last dance, the uh, Chicago Bulls. Right. The documentary. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's, you know, it's so heartbreaking because if you watch the Bobito uh, documentary, 
he interviewed Jordan and Jordan didn't know who Rakim was. No, yeah. And that's just heartbreaking. You know what I'm saying? Like, how does the greatest MC, how does he not know who the greatest MC of all time is? It was, it was just heartbreaking to hear that tape and that interview when Bobito was doing a uh, five magazine, Bobito plays the tracks and you know, somebody else states the facts. Um, so it's Rakim, it's KRS, it's Chuck D, it's Nas, it's Jay-Z, then it's G-Rap, then it's Eminem, then it's Kane, then it's Scarface, and then it's usually the 10th, it usually fluctuates, but right now it's Black Thought. Uh, now with Nas first hit, was it with you guys with the uh, Back to the Grill? So no, so just so we can clear this up, and again, maybe this is something putting you up on game. Um, Nas's first appearance on any music ever was on the main source album, Breaking Adams, okay. which came out in 1991. It was the really the greatest posse cut of all time. Also called live at the barbecue. When that record came out, that was when, when Nas's verse came out on that record, he changed the game. Um, I met Nas three years later. I put him on this, uh, Oliver Stone, a soundtrack I was doing. He did a song called halftime. And then we did back to the grill again. And then I, I helped him put out Illmatic and it was written and, and so on and so forth. Um, so that's kind of Nas's, you know, story from New York. And it just, again, this like blows me away. Like, how do you not know what Breaking Adams is, brother? Like, how do you not know what the main source is? Like, it's a great, write it down. Write that down, Shane. Write it down. See, I always thought, I always thought, I always compared him, that story, which I guess, I mean, Thanks, thanks for the information. But I remember the first time I heard Tupac was on Digital Underground. So I just right. kind of always Same associated song. that story because for me, the first time I heard Nas was on Back to the Grill again. Right. So I right. kind of always associated that story. I ran into, you want to hear a funny story? I ran into Tupac in a mall in Raleigh, uh, obviously a long time ago. He was performing at a club called Diamonds, which was owned in Raleigh. It was owned by uh, Tad Thacker who was house and police academy. He I, was know. Huge. I know what Tad is, yeah. Not, not Bubba, not Big Bubba, but Tad Thacker. Yeah. He, was house. Yeah. he wrestled at NC State. He's the reason, another weird fact I'll throw at you, he's the reason they put a weight maximum, a weight cap at heavyweight. Because it didn't used to be like, if your ass, you were just heavy, you were heavyweight. It didn't matter what you weighed. And man, there's pictures of him in the NC State wrestling room where he's just on top of people. And you see this body and you just see like two little legs sticking out. He was massive, huge. So anyway, he had a club called Diamonds in uh, Raleigh and uh, Tupac and I'm not sure who all was there at the time, but Tupac was there. And this was Tupac after Juice. He had done Juice. I, I had uh, Tupacalypse now, but he hadn't blown up to like full-blown Tupac yet. And so anyway, there's a big mall in Raleigh and he walks by and I'm with a buddy and, he, and you know he's got his posse with him. And I'm like, man, I think that was Tupac. And I'm trying to explain to my friend who he was. He didn't know him. And he's like, you sure? And I go, yeah. But then he was kind of gone. I was like, oh, well. And I'm, I, I think that was him, but I'm not sure. So we go into a, a shoe store, Champs. I know you love shoes, G-O-I kicks. And so we're in there. And then they come, him and his uh, friends come in the store. And I'm sitting there. And I'm trying to explain to him, my friend, like, man, you seen Jews. Like, man, you seen Digital Underground all around the world. And I'm, and I'm telling you, and I go, and I point him back, but I don't know that Tupac's getting closer. And I go, I I'm telling you, that motherfucker's Tupac. And like, literally, my my fingers are this close to his damn nose. You know, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm telling you, that motherfucker's Tupac. And then, I, oh, 
I was like, hey, man, you Tupac Shakur? He goes, yeah. I go, hey, man, I'm a big fan. You know, can I get your autograph? So I still got it to this day. It's on this little tiny piece uh, of paper. That's and incredible. It's, it's to you, Tupac. <laughs> yeah. Yo, you know what? It, and, and, and we're going to talk about sneakers because I, I want to see your, I want to see your Glaciers of Ice. How did you get in, involved with the, the kicks and the Glaciers of Ice team out of Cincinnati? Um, Raleigh, like you fucking with them kids from Cincy. Well, we, we had a common friend in Chris Canyon, uh, and we all, and friends of Chris Canyon, he passed away, but we all created this, uh, fantasy football league called the Canyon cup, just an homage to him. And we would all stay in touch. And just like this friendship just grew and grew and grew. And he's a group of knuckleheads that we support each other. No matter what we do, you know, we got a guy that out of new Orleans, Luke Hogg, we got a dark horse. We got all these crazy people mm-hmm. and we just always support each other. And so my man, Jim was going to do some shoes. And I was like, I'm not a really big, you know, not, not nowhere near your level or his. I grew up poor, so I couldn't afford good shoes, so I never really got into that shit. You know, I had the Adidas with the four stripes. <laughs> if you had that four stripe, that means those were the favor. Those were the favor joints. Those are the fucking Fugazi shits. Dude, wow, completely embarrassing story. I, these guys jumped my ass one time and drug me in the house and roughed me up, right? And then they they stole my shoes, but then they found out they saw the fourth stripe. I had covered it up. So from a distance, it looked like there was only three. <laughs> and so they gave them back. <laughs> they my shoes, but then they fucking gave them back. It was embarrassing. Completely embarrassing. <laughs> hey, man, don't, don't tell nobody that. Edit this <laughs> First of all, this is live, so, so wait a minute. No, man, we had to edit <laughs> That's a true. That's a fucking. So you got boosted for your shoes, and they came back. Came back. My folks wanted a refund too. But here's the deal. Oh my god! One of the guys was oh. a little bit bigger than the other one, so I caught the smaller one by itself like a week later, and I fucked him up. Right. And then you gave him the shoes. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, and keep these shits. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, first of all, do do you have the, the GOIs next to you? Do you have them? Your sneakers that GOI made for you? Do you have because they're amazing? Yeah, yeah, they're, people- down, they're downstairs though. Okay, but- all right. Well, I wanted to show you because again, I I love sneakers and I and I showcase the ones that Glacier made. But you know, I'm. It's really cool that you know people know that I love sneakers and and I know how much you like, you know, sneakers that are designed. So I wanted to show you these. These um. A guy made these for me uh, to celebrate the 20th anniversary of Illmatic. Um, So, um, you know, custom color, Um, you know. So, yeah, so so that's one sneak. So that's the one side. And I love how, like, they put, see how they covered the holes? Yeah. Like, just customized them. But then this one, they did the Nas. Nice. Right, that's cool as shit. Yeah, so so yeah. I mean, I have, I definitely have a a pair of, I, I definitely have a pair to wear every day. But I always, I always tell people wear them twice, put them on ice. So um, you know, because you, you just, you know, you don't want your sneakers ever to get dogged. So you you rock them twice, you put them on ice. You know, that's that's just kind of how you do it. So shout out to to the dudes who made this for me in Orlando. Um, and if you want to get um some glaciers of ice kicks, which are Incredibly hard to get, by the way. They don't really make them for anybody, just anybody. 
go to yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh Thank you, Matthew, man. I do have some low-key... Matthew O'Brien, thank you. I do have low-key monsters, man. One love to you, brother. And by the way, that picture, Matthew, your mustache is fucking bananas. That's a powerful mustache. Yeah, that shit was a powerful mustache. Um, I want to just end with this, man. I, I If you had a choice, I mean, you... you you obviously love wrestling. You put your heart and soul into it. And then you obviously have a love of hip hop. So if I said to you, you could have had a career as an MC as big as Jay, or you have the career that you have now as big as the rock or as big as, you know, Hulk Hogan, uh, which one would you take and why? Uh, pro wrestling. Cause that was where the heart was. You know, and, and, and I mean, whatever you love the most, that's going to bring you the most joy. That's so absolutely as right. As much as I love comics and hip hop and all of that. And two, I was more talented at, at wrestling. So. Well, I'm just saying, if you had the talent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, not I, taking I, away, I'm not taking away anything from Three Count, which, yeah. by the way, we will be playing your music eventually. Come three on, Count man. will be on live eventually. But, dude, I've kept you here for an hour. I don't even know if you noticed that. I I, oh. I don't even want to keep you any any longer. But, man, thank you so much for your time. Hey, thank you. I, yes, was sir. Going, I was going to make a toast. <laughs> We're not supposed to do this, though, right? Is that, is that what you're saying? No? No? Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> This this uh this this was brought to you by Clorox uh, Chewables. You sarcastically only is prescribed by President Trump or sarcastically by the great Hurricane Shane Helms. Sh Shane, thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah, you, you man. And listen, if anybody wants to catch you, can you give us your social and, and all of that and tell them yeah, what they can get at you? It's at Shane Helms.com. Um that's because my website shanehelms.com, but I think most people just use social media these days. So Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, even I still got Tumblr's all the same at Shane. Wow. Um, and I'm pretty active on there. I mean, you know, we started following each other on everything. So right, uh, right. yeah, I'm pretty active on there. Well, we're, we got a, uh, and I can, I can share this with you. We got a special um, shirt coming your way. We're sending this one out to you in, in your gift basket. All right. Cool. And, uh, yeah. Lemonade was a popular drink, and it still is. I get more props and stunts than Bruce Willis. A poet like Langston Hughes can't lose when I cruise out on the expressway. Uh, one of my favorites, rest in peace, guru. Uh, Hurricane, thank you so much, brother, and uh, be safe in North Carolina, and shout out to uh, Governor Cooper. He's doing an amazing job down there with all the PPE stuff uh, that we're bringing to the state, and uh, I hope to catch up with you soon, brother. Anytime, man. Thanks again, man. All right, man. Don't body slam me when uh, when you see me, though. And you might want to just teach me a suplex so I could suplex my son. I got so it. Does does shine like one, but he sometimes I need to just put him in his place. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. All right, man. Thank you, brother. Number yeah. love, man. Thank you. That was a uh, hurricane. Shane Helms, man. The 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 it just amazing, man. What an incredible story. Uh, that was so cool. That was so cool, man. Shout out to him uh, for for being a part of this.